Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? To provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. What's up, everybody? Sathya Sam here, and welcome to the New Man Podcast. It is so good to have you here, and thank you. Thanks for tuning in and for listening. And for those of you who have uh, left me a comment, those of you who have uh, done a little bit of promotion of the podcast on your own platforms, thank you. It really means the world to me. Uh, It's humble beginnings here, but I'm just excited that I'm doing this, and your comments, your encouragement, and your support really do mean the world to me, and um, I really believe in, in helping men and helping guys get free of pornography, especially. And so anything you can do to help me in that regard, uh, gets a big thank you from me. So really just appreciate you guys. Um, in my last podcast episode, I had talked about getting into sort of the nuts and bolts of relational conflict and how to handle that. And, um, I thought that could be a a worthwhile episode just because, we all have relationships, even the loneliest of people do have some kind of relationships. And um, sometimes our inability to handle conflict is the greatest cause of our relational dysfunction. And sometimes we don't even realize it. So for me, like a lot of the guys who come to me, they have no idea. They have no idea that their inability to handle relational conflict is actually contributing so significantly to their struggle with pornography. Now, you might wonder how those dots are even connected, but let me just illustrate it with an example. Imagine that, um, you know, a husband and a wife get into a fight. So um, it's nothing like over the top. It's just an argument. They're not seeing eye to eye. Um, It gets a little bit heated. They start saying stuff that they shouldn't be saying to each other. And they both walk away dejected, depleted, and just outright angry at each other. So for the man, you know, he's like, okay, my wife doesn't respect me. She doesn't appreciate what I do. She doesn't, um, you know, she doesn't, she's ungrateful. She's this, she's that, she's blah, 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 blah. Starts to kind of fester, rolls around in the mind. And, uh, you know, it just becomes the central thought of the day. And everything just points back to that. And you start to imagine, here's what I would have said. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'm going to do. I'll show her. You know, we kind of get in these, these thought patterns, right? Well, um, when you are in that sort of relational conflict, you are in a place of disconnection. Now, disconnection temporarily is not a big deal. I, I always tell my wife, I'm not too bothered by us being disconnected temporarily. Now, if it's prolonged, if, if we can't work through something after a few days, after a week, that's when I start to get concerned because um, that's, that's a pretty long time to be in a state of disconnect. But temporary disconnection is okay. It's okay if you take some space, you take some time to, to kind of sort your stuff out separately and individually and come back together. But let's say that in this example, that doesn't happen. So the, the couple stays apart. Uh, maybe they even try to have a conversation or two, but it just blows up again. So they really widen the gap. And for a couple of days, um, the central thought for the, the husband is that like, she needs to apologize. She needs to owe up to her end of the deal. He's not really um, seeing anything else at this point. And the disconnection starts to get to him and he starts to feel loneliness. And he doesn't feel ready or doesn't feel comfortable talking to his wife about what's going on and actually addressing the conflict. So instead, he decides he's going to deal with his loneliness 
on his own in his own way. And maybe that initially just looks like binge watching some Netflix. Maybe it just looks like um, scrolling on social media a little bit longer than he would. But then eventually one thing leads to another. And before you know it, this guy's watching pornography. And you might think like, Cynthia, come on, like, aren't you like, aren't you sort of fudging that experience just to like create this example that sort of is relevant? No, (laughs) these examples happen all the time. When you don't deal with conflict, you will resort to destructive means to get your needs met, to experience that sense of connection and belonging. These are things we are fundamentally wired for. So um, handling conflict is a big deal. Now, if we kind of flip this example on its head, if if the husband is willing to go and have that hard conversation, and if he exercises a few practical tools for handling conflict in a healthy way, um, actually, he could get that thing resolved or at least heading towards connection again, and he could avoid the porn viewership and the binge watching of Netflix and whatever else altogether. So the question then is, what are those practical things that he can do to uh, handle the conflict and to handle it in a way that it actually results in a restoration of the connection? So I'm going to give you three tips, three tips that I think are probably the most important. There's lots of other ways out there that you can do it. Um, There's lots of relationship gurus and experts. And uh, there's a a transport truck that's driving by here. So I apologize for some background noise. But you know, there's lots of other people out there. And I'll give you some some resources at the end that you can check out if you'd like. But here are my top three tips for handling conflict. Number one, this is the most important thing. Number one is that you must must without question, without fail, Uh, without any element of compromise, you must take responsibility for your role in the conflict. This is the first thing. So if you catch yourself uh, where if all your thoughts are simply about what the other person should have done, what they did, if it's all about them and, and their issues and what they need to do, then you have significantly diminished your opportunity for connection. And that is on you. So number one, even if you are only 2% of the problem and everybody involved knows it, you still need to own your 2%. And that is where you should start. It's not where you should end. It's where you should start. Ask yourself, what have I contributed to this conflict? What is the part that I am responsible for? That is the hardest one to do because I know for me, like I run into my ego all the time when I try to do this stuff. It's like, oh, I I didn't do anything that bad. You know, like we just, we try to sort of mitigate our actions and we exacerbate the actions of the other person. And um, it's just, it results in this sort of conflated perspective and it ultimately results in disconnect. So don't do it. Don't, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't fall for it. Own your stuff, own your stuff take 100% responsibility for what you did and you'll be so glad. It will result in a much more favorable outcome, I promise. Because what happens when you do start to take ownership and you start to acknowledge your role in everything, what happens is that it creates an environment of safety, the walls come down and the other people involved, whether it's your colleague, your spouse, your friend, your family, whoever, they now feel like they can actually take ownership for their stuff as well. So not only did you create a safe environment, but you modeled ownership and like attracts like, and they will be more inclined to do so. Now, it's not a guarantee. It is possible that they won't. And it's possible that they will simply just say, yeah, you did do this and you did do that. And you know what? That's still okay. 
that's still okay. So number one is we take ownership. And the reason it's okay, even if they sort of sabotage you and they kind of, you know, rub salt in the wound instead of acknowledging their own shortcomings and their own contribution, the reason that's okay is because of tip number two. Tip number two is make sure that the goal is always connection. The goal is always connection. If your goal is to feel better about yourself, if your goal is to prove the other person wrong, if your goal is to win the argument, you are going to lose. Because even if you win the argument, you lose the connection. And that is the ultimate loss. Because the goal of conflict should always be restoration of the connection. So what that looks like in this example, we'll just run with it another step further. It means that the man whom let's say uh, the man said a couple choice words that he knew he should not have said. What this looks like is the man owns his part of it, right? So he acknowledges, uh, again, this would be apart from the other people involved, but he acknowledges, okay, I really shouldn't have said that. Even though I think she's the one who kind of uh, made the initial error, I responded and I made an error myself. So now we're both in this together. We both had our wrongs. This is my error. Okay, uh, what I want to do then is um, I want to talk to her. So this has to be kind of the mentality. I want to talk to her so that we can reconnect, so that connection can happen again. And what that means then is that I am not um, owning my responsibility in the matter so that I can say, ta-da, look at how responsible I am. Look at me being the big man. And it also means that I can't, um, I can't go into this conversation just to get um, a certain outcome that serves my purposes. It has to serve the relationship's purposes and nothing will do that more than connection. So make it about connection. Make it about connection. Make it your goal to connect and make sure that every word that you use and every step that you take in the conversation, in the, the conflict, conflict resolution, make sure that it is with that goal, that end goal in mind of connection. Now, for me personally, I have to do both of these things apart from the interaction. In other words, I have the conflict, things blow up. I have to give myself some space and think these things through a little bit. Okay, where did I mess up? Where, where was my shortcoming? Where was my shortfall? And then working through that, owning it, acknowledging it. Then step two is saying, okay, when I talk to her, I have to be able to present this in a way that's going to facilitate connection. And that might mean that, that I'm, not, um, I'm not taking any subtle jabs. You know how we can do that sometimes is we do the right thing, but it's sort of laced with this kind of accusation or something else. It means, no, I have to trim the fat off of this, this ownership part that I'm doing, which is the right thing to do. And I have to make sure that I'm doing it in a way that is purely and wholly for connection. And number, number three, and this is, a, this is a harder one, but number three is asking, what can I do differently next time to prevent this from happening again? So it might mean that, um, you know, for me, one of the things I really learned with my wife, and this has been really hard for her, but, it, um, but you'll, you'll see what I mean. Um, one of the things I've learned is that I, I need space. And sometimes I reach my limit in an argument and it's like, okay, this argument needs to stop because if it doesn't, I'm going to fly off the handle. And instead of, um, instead of actually paying attention to that in the past, 
I have sort of sucked it up because she's not there. For her, she can keep going and she wants to keep going. And so we keep going. And then sure enough, I say something that I regret and that really hurts her and requires way more cleanup afterwards. And you want to avoid these circumstances. And for me, I just, I didn't know how to do that. So um, what I started to do is to say, okay, babe, um, I've reached my capacity. We'll have to talk about this later. And I sort of pulled the plug And for her, that was almost traumatizing because it was so sudden. And to her, she just thought we're talking things through. But for me, I'm obviously at my limit. And now she sees I'm pulling away. And for her, it sort of sends her into this major distressed state. So what I've learned to do is to actually give a two minute warning. I just say, babe, um, I'm reaching my limit. I can only probably handle this conversation for another two minutes. So that lets her know that, okay, this is where we're going, but it's not sudden. It's not shocking. And we talk things through for a couple minutes. We work it out a little bit. And it's, it's very rare that we actually can settle things. But what it means is that when we sort of reach that two minute mark, then I'm able to pull away and get the space I need. And she doesn't perceive it as something traumatizing or uh, dramatic. And that is the real key there. And what it enables me to do then is to take the space I need to think about, uh, think about what I've done, think about my part in it, think about how I'm going to talk about it, how I'm going to broach the subject and bring it up. And usually another thing that my wife will ask is she'll say, okay, well, when are we going to talk about this? So she doesn't let things slip through the cracks. um, Because obviously, if I just say, yeah, we'll talk about it later. And I don't give a time, there's a, a bit of a risk there that it doesn't actually happen. So this is a chance for us then to actually, um, yeah, to make sure that, that we're actually going to have this conversation. And that's basically what, what we'll do. So it might be 24 hours. It might be two days. Um, it might be a couple hours. It just depends. But um, in that time away, I then think about like, okay, um, how am I going to bring this up? And then, um, and then we talk about it. And then the question I'm asking is, what can I do differently next time? So that systematic process I just explained of like us being like, okay, here's the two minute warning. We've hit our two minutes. Let's talk about this again in 36 hours or whatever it is. That's a process that we developed through feedback and through asking, what can we do differently next time? So number three is get the feedback that you need because it can really go a long way and it's going to ensure that you don't fall into the same mistakes again. So those are my top tips. Um, Let me just summarize a little bit. Uh, When you are in conflict, number one, you must take ownership. You must take responsibility for what you have done. Even if you're 2% of the problem, own your 2% and always lead with it. Number two, really importantly, your main goal, your modus operandi is always connection. It must always be connection. So when you are having the conversation post-conflict, everything that you say and everything that you intend must be solely and wholly for connection. If it isn't, don't say it, don't mention it, don't bring it up, deal with it on your own. And lastly, and maybe most importantly, especially for kind of future and, and reaching that place where you're having conflicts less frequently, most importantly is learn from the conflicts. Ask yourself, what can I do differently next time to ensure that this negative outcome doesn't result again? And that will look like different things depending on the nature of the relationship, uh, depending on the nature of the situation and everything else, but it will be useful. I guarantee it. And when you can start to really manage these conflicts well, 
and build that sort of um, tolerance for them and that willingness to confront the uncomfortable, guys, I'm telling you, you'll be amazed at what it does for your own heart, your own emotional well-being, and your overall state of mind. It's going to be like night and day. And it positions you to make better decisions, to not fall into the traps of things like pornography and masturbation and lust and everything else because we tend to gravitate there when we are in places of distress, of discomfort and disconnect. And the quicker that you can hurdle and confront these things head on, the better off you're going to be. So, hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope this helps you become a man of integrity that leads with confidence. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. And uh, and I wish you an amazing day. We'll talk again soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.